0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. And good morning. Welcome to Dirt Radio. I'm John and Colin. Hey, Colin. Hello, John. How are you going? Good. Colin's back from France and he's doing the panelling today, just easing himself in. We're Dirt Radio, of course. Friends of the Earth, we are sponsored by them and you can find them on foe.org.au. Thanks to Yarra Bug, they had a big crew in here today, so they must have had a good show. Have you ever heard of something called the Yarra River Keeper? Well, I hadn't either until the end of last year. Andrew Kelly is the current river keeper for Melbourne's Yarra River, and he's with us on Dirt Radio to explain what he does, but also to talk about a just-released discussion paper that contains ideas and options for a proposed, fully legislated Yarra River Protection Act. Good morning, Andrew.
2: Good morning, John. Good morning, Colin. How are you going, mate? Good. Thanks. Beautiful day. Uh,
1: and uh, uh, Andrew, tell us a little bit about uh, being a Yarra River keeper. What does a Yarra? What does a river keeper do? And um, why does the Yarra River need one?
2: Uh, John, well, it's possibly the best job in the world because I get uh, a boat on the Arra, uh, which is moored down at uh, Park Victoria Harbour in Burnley. I'm out on the river once or twice a week monitoring what's happening along the river. And that's the fun part of the job. The other part of the job is advocating for the river and educating about the river. So we're part of a network of almost 300 water keepers worldwide, uh, and each keeper speaks on behalf of their waterway. So in Victoria we've got Neil Blake, the Port Phillip bay keeper, and John Forrester, the Werribee river keeper.
1: Right. And um, as I understand it, there's, as you said, 300 around the world, is that right?
2: That's correct, yes.
1: So all the major cities would have a river, uh, that have a river in them would have a river keeper?
2: Uh, Perhaps. We tend to be concentrated in particular areas so say we've got half of us are in the states and quite a few are say in california and there's another group in north carolina another group around uh, chesapeake bay we tend to be a bit concentrated here and there we don't have a lot of river keepers as yet in europe but that's building
1: right and uh, just to give us a little bit of an idea of your work over the last six months Tell us a little bit about some of the important or, um, I guess you could say, significant work that you've been doing over the last six months.
2: Well, the most significant thing has been the proposed Yarra River Protection Act and Yarra Trust, which the uh, government made part of their policy uh, after a little bit of lobbying from us uh, at the last election in November 2014. And they've been very serious about this and they've committed money in the May 2014 budget and they pulled together a round table of councils along the river and then they appointed a ministerial advisory council in December led by uh, Chris Chesterfield, who knows a lot about waterways and rivers and is part of the CRC at Monash and uh, formerly worked for Melbourne Water. Uh, And they put together a really good committee uh, led by Chris and they've just released their... Uh, they've consulted with us, they've consulted with the community, and they've now released a discussion paper protecting the Yarra River, and in brackets, Run discussion paper. So that's pretty exciting. And then we followed up with uh, not exactly a response to that, but a complement to that called... Our report's called The Future of the Yarra, Proposals for Yarra River Protection Act, which we produced in conjunction with Environmental Justice Australia, the not-for-profit law firm, uh, Nature's Lawyers. So that's now out there, So, and the government's requesting that people respond to the discussion paper by the 5th of August. So that's the most exciting thing we've been doing, but we also do things like uh, monthly microplastics, trawls and things that are a bit more hands-on.
1: Yes. Tell us a little bit about that, and uh, also I understand you, you track... Uh, We'll get back to the uh, to the discussion paper in a minute, but just tell us a little yeah. bit about things like um, I know you monitor uh, the wildlife in the river and also uh, things like development, overdevelopment along the river, which is uh, ap- apparently, well, I know is a, is a very large problem.
2: Well, um, it is a huge problem, John. There's a lot of old industrial sites now that are coming up for development and. Some of that development is not very sensitive to the river environment. So it's not looking... Although it's actually selling the river um, as a way to promote the apartments. it's not necessarily very sensitive to the actual environment. It's not looking at the habitat. It's look, not looking at the beauty of the river. Uh, and uh, many of these developments um, overshadow the river. They're very large. They're up to 10 storeys high, say. Uh, There are actually guidelines in Yarra saying they should be 18 metres high, but they're much in excess of that, some of the ones that are proposed, and there's two currently proposed down in Abbotsford on either side of the Walmart Street, on the either side of Walmart Street next to the Walmart Street Bridge, which are pretty intimidating, I'd
1: say. Yes, yes, I've read about them.
2: And the wildlife, well... The river is actually surprisingly rich in wildlife. And the most exciting thing that happened to me this year was to I was up near the Gipps Street Bridge uh, in Kew, Collingwood, and I saw a platypus. And that was fantastic. And I managed to get some rather blurry photos, but I put them up on our Facebook site. And somebody said that they thought it had been there for about a year. So it just shows you what potential we have to kind of rewild the river we do manage to control the developments, yes, we can, and and we work on improving the habitats along the river. There's all sorts of potential for things like platypus to establish themselves properly, and also to move further down river
1: And uh, lots of beautiful. Sorry, uh, just going to s- go back to the, uh, you know, the discussion paper that you were talking about the and the potential to uh, have a Yarra River Protection Act. I think what you're alluding to is that each council has its own uh, ambit claim over their part of the river, but there isn't any, any overarching authority to govern what happens in the river. Is that, is that a right assumption?
2: Uh, that's absolutely correct, John. You put your finger on it. So there's a lot of people with a bit of the pie that makes up the river, but nobody who takes uh, an absolute overview. And we need some kind of coordinating agency to pull all of that together to deliver the sort of river we need um, as Melbourne's population grows to, say, 8 million in 2050. So we really need to look after the river, and the best way to do that is to have an authority that has a strong strategic plan, that's periodically checked, has a long-term strategic vision, and can pull all the various groups together and deliver what we'd like. I mean, that... Agency does not need to be huge, but it needs to have the uh, value of the river in mind first and foremost.
1: I think what you're what you're suggesting, and I think this is this is the whole point of this, is that the Yarra River has been a, I suppose you could say, a neglected natural not natural resource, um, and it beca- it can become a, an extremely attractive and and extremely useful resource. If it's uh, if it, if the oversight of it, the management of it, is is seen as something which we can take into the future,
2: um, that's absolutely right. I mean, it's a very beautiful river. It's uh, we're we very lucky in Melbourne to have parkland that goes all the way almost to the centre of the city, um, and we have habitat. We've got, say, Herring Island, which is one of those hidden secrets. I think of the area, which is you know, maybe six kilometres from the GPR if you stand in the middle of Herring Island you could be in the bush I mean there has been work done on the error and in, in some ways it's not in a terrible state but it could do with a lot of improvement I mean Melbourne Water's done a lot of planting along the river and has done its best to ensure the water quality is as good as it can be but government agencies can only do so much they need community commitment as well
1: now, this report that you've, or this discussion paper that you've published along with the um, environment uh, justice area, um, it's available online. Is that right? And you're asking for, for comment and feedback. We are. And tell us how we, how we go about doing that.
2: So if you pop Protect the Yarra into your search engine or Yarra Protection or Yarra River Protection, You'll come up with a site, haveyoursay.delwp, which is the Department of Environment, Local Government, Water and planning.vic.gov.au and you open that up, the Have Your Say site at the department, and it will give you a number of options. One, you can download their report, which is really useful. Uh, then you can make a full-scale written submission if you choose to. Uh, you can share an idea, uh, you can ask them a question, uh, or you can take the survey, which has six or seven questions, and probably the simplest mm. thing to do is to take the survey and answer their questions.
1: Oh, yes, I was just going to ask you that because uh, it sounds—it all sounds like I'm, I'm sort of thinking about it, you know, if I was confronted with this, it all, all looks a bit intimidating, <laughs> but... Uh, If you have a questionnaire, and so you're really looking for, I suppose, ordinary folks like me um, who are able to comment on these things. You're not really looking necessarily for experts, but you really want to get lots of people offering a comment.
2: Uh, That's right, John. We want lots of people offering a comment. Uh, I mean, you can just say how much you love the Yarra, how passionate you are about it, how much you want to live in a city that has a great river that's looked after. You can just leave it at that or you can um, answer the questions to whatever extent you feel is appropriate. We do um, have some submission guidelines that you can find at a website act for the Yarra.org.au if you need a bit of a hand. But I feel the best way is if people just say what they feel and answer to the questions mm-hmm. that the Ministerial Advisory Committee has asked about what sort of legislation we should have.
1: And give us a deadline. It's very soon, isn't it?
2: It is. It's a very narrow window of opportunity. the 5th of August.
1: Right. Well, look, uh, I I do recommend uh, everybody, and I'm going to do this too right after the show. I'm going to get onto that website and and do exactly what you said, just fill in the questionnaire and, and let people know that the Arrow River is an extremely important resource, a beautiful resource and i think melbourne is very privileged to have this resource and we ought to i guess we ought to make make more use of it so i want to thank you so much today for coming on to dirt radio andrew and all the best with your project and uh, let's keep in touch because i'd like to follow this up and and see what happens as things develop so thank you john okay and we'll speak soon
2: i look forward to staying in
1: touch Andrew Kelly is the current river keeper for the Melbourne, Melbourne's Yarra River. And uh, the River Keeper Association and v- Environment Justice Australia just released a discussion paper on the future management of the Yarra River. And they're looking for feedback, as Andrew said. And you can make submissions. Go online to actfortheyarra.org.au. We'll put that on our Facebook page. We are Dirt Radio. We'll be back.
2: Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair, Sunday 14th of August. Brunswick Town Hall, Wurundjeri Land. 233 Sydney Road, Brunswick. 10am to 5pm. Free entry. Stalls, workshops, films, food. Childcare and kids space available all day. For more information, go to amelbournbookfair.org. The Melbourne Anarchist Book Fair. Arm yourself with ideas. A 3CR supporter.
0: IPAN is inviting you to attend its anti-war conference and join the Close Pine Gap protests from the 26th of September to the 2nd of October in Alice Springs. Pine Gap facilitates US war activities, international espionage and their killer drone program. It's time to stop the drift to war and free Australia from US military bases. For more information on the IPAN conference, go to ipan.org.au. And for protest details, see ClosepineGap.org. IPAN is a 3CR supporter.
1: So you're lucky enough to have a job, well, maybe even a full-time job, and you decide you want to put some money away, part of your salary, maybe save a bit for that car, new car, maybe a holiday, maybe a new smartphone. And you put your savings in a bank, and more than likely it comes into one of the big four banks in Australia. But what happens to that money once it goes into the bank? What does the bank do with that deposit? Pablo Brait is an environment campaigner and community organizer, and he's part of a team of environmental activists called Market Forces. And they've been, as the saying goes, following the money. Money. Good morning, Pablo Good morning. To start just briefly, tell us about market forces and what's the specific focus of your work as a community organizer.
3: Yeah, so I mean we're an organization that thinks that the institutions that, you know, are entrusted with our money should be using it for environmental protection or at least not environmental destruction. So we're really focused on the finance industry and trying to I guess choke off that flow of money to environmentally damaging projects. Um, my role as a community organizer is just to really reach out to the public, um, give people more access to our work and our research and help people work together to shift the institutions that they're, you know, members or customers of.
1: And for a number of years, I know that Market Forces has been campaigning pretty hard to change the behavior of the big banks when it comes to their relationship with the fossil fuel industry industry. And the involvement of the big banks with the fossil fuel industry, specifically in Australia, runs very deep, as I guess you know. Give us some idea of how deep that relationship is.
3: So we've been tracking uh, the deals that they do uh, with fossil fuel companies or for fossil fuel projects now since 2000. Well, it have been in existence since uh, 2013, but we've been tracking the deals since 2008. So from 2008 to the end of last year, the big four Australian banks lent almost $50 billion um, to fossil fuel projects. And that's um, ANZ is, is the main one at $16 billion, then Commonwealth Bank at almost $14 billion, then NAB, then Westpac. Um, and just to give people a bit of perspective, the ratio of lending to fossil fuels compared to renewables um, is 13 to 1 at the Commonwealth Bank, 6 to 1 at ANZ five to one at Westpac and three to one at NAB, which means for every $13 Commonwealth lends to the fossil fuel industry, they lend $1 to the renewable energy industry. So the the big four banks in Australia, yes, they're big supporters of the fossil fuel industry. Um, we've been working very hard with, with people and community groups all over Australia to change that bit by bit. And we're getting there. It is a slow-moving beast, but um, there's, there are... Some changes afoot, which hopefully will lead to them, uh, bit by bit, extricating themselves from this dirty
1: industry. The the numbers you you've described, there, um, my jaw is dropping here. You can't see it, but it's, <laughs> it's 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 quite extraordinary.
3: Yes, they're big big numbers, and I mean it's hard to know. These are also very big institutions that manage a lot of money. But um, I think you know fifty billion dollars over seven, eight years, um, is a lot of money, could build a lot of renewable energy. And I think the ratios that I talked about where they obviously lending anywhere mm. between three and 13 times more, the fossil fuel industry, I think, shows um, you know what more they could be doing if they shifted that money across to things like renewables, efficiency projects, et cetera.
1: What's interesting for with uh, Market Forces, I think is interesting, is the centrality of you doing your campaign around very, I, I guess you could say the hard yards of doing research, following the money, as I said at the beginning, and using evidence to support your campaign. How do you go about getting the data that you're using? Because I know you have a number of reports that you've published. Where do you get the data from?
3: Um, well... It's um, Yeah, we have a, a researcher here and some volunteers who help out with that sort of thing. And really it's about tapping into some of it cost money, you know, subscription services, financial services, um, tap into people that have access. Sometimes we buy access. Um, there's a whole bunch um, of different ones that we use, and it's just a matter of keeping a close eye on that, maintaining a huge... Spreadsheet um, yes. all the different deals which we can look at in terms of what kind of fossil fuel it is, which bank did it, um, what sort of project it is—you know, pipeline, port, power plant, etc. Right. Um, it does take a lot of work, but really is, as you say, it's the core of what Market Forces does, and it enables us to not only run our campaigns but help other groups inform their, their campaigns as well, especially frontline communities fighting specific. Projects that are linked to specific banks
1: the, um, the, the data that you're getting is it, it is all basically publicly available it, it may cost money to access it, but it is available.: Yes, that's right Uh-huh. Now, if you, people want to read these reports, where do they go to do this and uh, in terms of finding out where your money goes once you put it in the bank?
3: Yeah, look, all that information is on our website. So we've got um, marketforces.org.au. There's a link there to go to the bank's page. And our most recent report, um, sort of full published report, was published at the end of last year. It's called Fueling the Fire, um, how the big banks are using our money to support the dirty fossil fuel industry. And that's available on the website. And then there's also updated figures as well. If you go to the latest news section... Um, that we've done and we are looking to um, in the next few weeks we'll be releasing what we're calling a scorecard on the banks so at the end of last year we managed to push all the banks to make commitments around um, two degrees of warming and we know two degrees is still a very dangerous figure but they've all said that within their own business practices they're looking to help the world limit warming to below two degrees and so It's been six months since they made those promises, and so we're looking to see what they've done over the last six months, whether they've kept those promises or not, um, and we'll be releasing that in the next uh, couple of weeks, hopefully.
2: Hi Pablo, this is Colin here. I'm currently in a studio with John and I'm hiding behind the panel. Uh, I got a question for you. Like we at the moment talking about banks, but I know that a lot of our money is waiting in superannuations. Mm-hmm. I would like to know, do, do you do some research also around the, the supers?
3: We do, yes. Um, so we have a separate website that we maintain called Superswitch, so superswitch.org.au. And that you can go in there, look up your super fund. Um, we've got quite a number, all the major, you know, the biggest 40 super funds in Australia covered there. And you can look up your fund and see what proportion of the money that that fund invests is in fossil fuels. Um, we've got three tiers of companies so there's straight up fossil fuel companies, diversified fossil fuel companies, and then the companies that provide essential services to fossil fuel companies. Um,
2: Alright, so there is, there is the choice, and there is also... Is it hard to change superannuations?
3: Uh, no, I don't think it is. Um, you just need to find... Uh, I think you just contact the fund that you want to switch to, and they do a
2: lot of the work for you. Like an electric company, so it's really simple. If tomorrow I want to change my, super, my superannuation to a fund who's invest better
1: in the future, I can do that easily thanks you mate. Pablo we we're, we're gonna have to go, but uh there's lots of things um in fact there's a lot of questions we still have, and we might follow you up and as you said a couple of weeks you're going to be releasing your new report or your new um your your new project and we might follow you up on that as well so um is there anything else you'd like to add in terms of what what people can do right now to sort of uh kick kick the whole thing along
3: yeah look. We're, we're really looking to, now that the election's over, to ramp up again um, our banks' campaign and get them to to really hold them to this two degrees promise or punish them for breaking it, depending on which way it goes. And so uh, we're looking for you know that next round of people to switch bank accounts. So you can jump online. There's a whole list of banks that are fossil-free on our website. Um, the first step is just opening an account at one of those banks and then... Um, Shifting, you know, doing all the shifting, all that stuff across, and then I would suggest keep your old bank account and the big four open for one of our divestment days because you'll get a lot of pleasure lining up outside the bank with a whole bunch of other people going in and telling the teller that you're shutting your account down. Um, Excellent. And I've done that; it's a great feeling. I highly recommend it.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Pablo, and uh, all the best. We'll speak to you soon. Pablo Braid is an environmental campaigner and community organizer with Market Forces, and uh, their campaign work is based on the view that banks should have – if they have custody of our money, they should protect the environment, not destroy it. And they are, by the way, affiliates of Friends of the Earth. We'll put their details on our website and on our Facebook page. That's it for Dirt Radio. I'm John. We're out of here. We'll be back next week. Colin's been on the panel. Yes. uh, Thank you very much, John, for all these interviews. Really interesting. Goodbye, guys. I'll be there next week with you.